This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. So many of us have dreams of one day starting a business, being our own boss, yet oftentimes it's fear. Fear of the unknown, um, fear of where income is going to come from, fear of how we're going to provide for a family can stop us from pursuing our dreams. I know this is something that I experienced over six and a half years ago when I was in medical device sales. I always wanted to be a business owner, yet, frankly, giving up the golden handcuffs was scary. And it took having enough pain in my life, specifically a colleague having a stroke at the age of 35 and then my income being slashed by 40% for me to have a big enough why to go from being an employee to being an entrepreneur. Today, we are going to have a conversation with somebody who has made that leap at a very high level. He dropped out of college to start his own business, which today does 600 to $700 million a year in revenue and is quickly on its way to a billion dollars in revenue. The reason we are recording this conversation is because he is now at the point in his life where he wants to give back. He wants to help the next generation of entrepreneurs begin that journey of building your own business and becoming your own boss if you think that is the right fit for you. If you enjoy our conversation today, make sure to pick up a copy of his brand new book, BYOB, Build Your Own Business, Be Your Own Boss. You can find it on Amazon. With that, let's get into this conversation with founder of O2E Brands, the parent company of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Brian Scudamore. So you're, you're coming out with a brand new book, Build Your Own Business, Be Your Own Boss. Um, you are very much the epitome of that. I'm curious, what inspired you to write the book? Well, it's interesting because I never thought I'd write my first book, WTF, Willing to Fail. And Roy H. Williams, the radio uh, guru out there who does all our radio creative, The Wizard of Ads, talked me into after eight years writing the book. He said, it's not about you. It's about everyone else. It's about people you will have an impact on by writing this book. It's not your ego. It's helping others. So I wrote WTF and got such an incredible response from people about the impact it had on them and their entrepreneurial journey. Well, instead of just doing my founder's story, my origin story in WTF, I decided to take it a step further and say, well, how can I help others? I feel like I'm on a mission to inspire entrepreneurship. I get nothing more out of life beyond my own family. I know we were talking pre-recording here about kids. I love my family, but I love watching people grow, building businesses, living the dream. And so I wrote BYOB, build your own business, be your own boss. There's sort of two different things, one in the same. Wanted to give people a, a healthy push, if you will, into the journey of their own if they've thought about it. 66% of Americans dream the dream of business ownership, but most don't ever take that leap. The mm. book's about taking the leap. What do you think ultimately stops them from taking the leap? Fear, uncertainty. As entrepreneurs, you and I and all our buddies that we know that have taken the leap, you embrace the journey. It's like the roller coaster of hands up when you're going up, hands up when you're going down. No matter what's going on, you're just fired up and going, I get to do this. And I think most entrepreneurs, most want to be entrepreneurs that don't take the leap, get stuck in fear of, what if I lose my shirt? What if I can't support my family? What if I make mistakes? What will my friends and family think? 
but the the failures, the mistakes are the necessary ingredients to get you where you want to grow. Mm-hmm. And you just have to suck it up and go, okay, I made a mistake. Yes. Now what? How do you get to bigger, better places? The, the, I'm on a 30, now a 33-year journey of entrepreneurship, starting with one beat-up old pickup truck and, that I got the idea in a McDonald's drive through And people go, wow, you've built like a, what are we at now? 600, $700 million business. They're like, this has grown so quickly. It's been 33, 33 years, dude. Like it's <laughs> taken a long time. These overnight success stories take a long time. Give, give people a sense of what your business is. Yeah, so three home service brands, having started with the first baby in the family, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, was in a McDonald's drive through looking for a way to pay for college. I see this old ratty truck and I'm like, ah, I need one of those. And I go buy a truck and I start hauling junk. It took me eight years to get to uh, a million in revenue. So quite slow, really slow. Yeah. But once I figured out the franchise model and replicating the recipe, things started to ramp up, went to a hundred million in seven years. and today you know, let's call it two thirds of a billion on a road to a billion. But we've taken everything we've learned in 1-800-GOT-JUNK and said, how can we take vision, people, systems, and put that into other home service brands? So we started Wow One Day Painting, where we paint people's homes in a day. And we've got Shackshine, windows, gutters, power washing, the whole house detailing industry, which also includes Christmas lights. Three fun home service brands taking over the world, one sort of franchise owner at a time and having a blast doing what we're doing. And I, and I will say, I have used your services, specifically 1-800-GOT-JUNK. The experience was incredible. Like hauling junk away, okay, fine. But the professionalism and the way people showed up and it's also knowing what I know about franchises. I mean, you're leading a voluntary army. Having that type of consistent execution is mind-blowing to me. Thank you. Yeah. And some go, well, it's just junk removal. No, we're professionalizing. We're FedExing an industry and clean, shiny trucks, friendly, uniform drivers. It, it makes a difference in a fragmented space. And, and yes, it's not easy. It's coordination, it's systems, it's finding the right people, treating them right. A lot of things I talk about in my book, they're little things, but they're things you have to get right to succeed yeah. in the world of entrepreneurship. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like Breakfast on the Go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. So let's rewind going back to college, Brian Scudamore. Mm-hmm. You have a dream. You want to make the leap. You want to build your own business. You want to be your own boss. When you reflect back, what were some of those 20% things that you did mm-hmm. that drove 80% of that transition successfully? 
Yeah. One of the big ones, I, I, I take a deep breath if you, you know, you can feel it and see it, but it's my, one of my big 80% impact decisions from one of those little 20% of the items was a big one. It was dropping out of university. I never finished university. Mm. And that took some, some guts because my father is a liver transplant surgeon. He's done more schooling than anyone I've ever met, really. And to sit down with him and go, dad, guess what? I dropped out of university you know, <laughs> to be a junk man. Are you kidding me? He was not happy with me to say the least for a decade or more, but it was the one big thing that said, I am committed. I am committed to this journey. I'm saying no to something that seems like I should be doing it. That's what everybody else is doing to free up my time to chase this dream. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't an unrealistic dream. I didn't know how big the dream could be. Let's face it. When I saw that beat up old pickup truck at a McDonald's drive through it was to pay for college. But during university or college, I was teaching one year a entrepreneurial class, just one class. My professor brought me up in front of the school and said, I want you to teach these other hundreds of kids about a small business and what it's like. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm in front of this class teaching this class. How ironic. And uh, it felt good. But I really knew in that moment, this isn't for me. I'm meant to get out there and build a business. And it required choice. I see too many entrepreneurs who take the initial journey and say, I'm going to keep my job for security while I build this business. But you're doing two things with less effort, focus, and attention than you should be. And sometimes it's that commitment, just throwing yourself in the fire and saying, I'm going to find a way. That was a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the, where do you think the commitment came from? Because I, I really feel like that is so essential, but somebody who's listening to this, who may have the dream, but may not, that, that the fear is higher than the commitment. How do they, how do they tip the scales? That's a great question. The commitment for me was making a choice that was such that gave, it would make it even harder to then go back. So the choice was made. The Band-Aid was ripped off. I, I quit school. Mm. My friends knew. My family knew. To then go back to school and go, oh, I failed. This didn't work was hard. I would have had to really swallow my pride and say, okay, dad, you were right. School's more important and the better option. So I think the commitment came from just really making a choice where going back was difficult. Now, I always say that if you go down a fork and you don't like the scenery on one fork, go back and try the other fork. Mm. I could have gone back to school. That could have been a, a viable path for me. But I was committed. I was really going down this one path where I'm like, I'm going to find out a way to make this work. And one of the things for me, having a dad who's a type A, type A, type A, driven liver transplant surgeon who wants to help the world and take care of people, I knew that I had to prove to him that I was making a good decision. He didn't believe me at the time, but I said, dad, I've got this. I'm going to show you. And I remember he talked to an entrepreneur friend who owned a a ton of restaurants in British Columbia, where I'm based. And his entrepreneur friend, who was a multimillionaire, said, no, your your son sounds like he's made a good decision. Let Mm -hmm. him do it or let let him screw up. And my dad's like, okay, I got to trust him. And I figured it out. Now, it, it took a long time, 
But if you were to have my dad on this podcast, he'd say, oh yeah, my, my son made the right decision. Come on. Like it seems clear now. Right. But as a parent, we're both parents. Sometimes I really sit down with my kids and, and you, our, our job is to teach and love them, but also kind of let them still make some of their own choices. Mm-hmm. That's where commitment comes from. If, if someone's making the choice for themselves and no one else, there's some big power there. You quit school. You start hauling junk. You actually start to turn it into more of a business. What are some of the common mistakes that you see people make over the first five years mm-hmm. that ultimately leads to the majority of businesses failing versus succeeding like yours has? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's mistakes and it's also the absence of some important things that I think are worth talking about. So in my journey, three things stood out for me, and I cover this in the book, vision, people, and systems. Mm -hmm. To me, those are the most important things that every business needs to have some platform of, some foundation of in which to succeed. Having a vision of where you're going, it's the old Alice in Wonderland. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. How many people tell us stories of their entrepreneurial journey where they're just like, I started a business and I thought I could take on the world. Well, what did it really look like? What was your one thing? What was your one reason for being in that business that you were driven towards? People aren't clear with their vision. The big one to me and five years into my business on the people front, I fired my entire team, 11 people. One bad apple spoils the whole bunch. I had, let's call it nine bad apples. And I brought them in one morning and fired the whole crew. And I started with two simple words. I'm sorry. Sorry I let you down, didn't give you the love and support to be successful here, but I I fired my whole team because I didn't have the right people. And without the right people and the right leadership for me, I certainly wasn't treating these people right. So I uh, pulled the rug out underneath from underneath and just said, we're done. And I had to start again. You can't build a great business or in our eyes, uh, we use the word uh, exceptional, an exceptional business without really finding those right people to help you build a business with. How did you know they were not the right people? I wasn't having fun. Hmm. They were complaining at every corner, not making enough money. Hours were too long. Customers sucked, whatever it was. And everything was externalizing. I see the world constantly as the glass glass is half full. These were glass half empty types. And I I didn't feel an alignment with their values. Having fun is an important part of my role. And I have to be fired up every day. And yes, life gets in the way sometimes. But most days, I need to be totally stoked about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and who I'm doing it with. And this wasn't my sort of merry band of, uh, of brothers and sisters that you know we were building something with. And I had to make a change. And they understood. They agreed. There was no disagreement. They might not have liked losing their jobs, but yeah. I did it properly. It is interesting. Um, one of the things I learned from Gary is that the people that you start your business with are often not the people you build it with. You know, the people you need in phase one are different than two, three, and four. And um, over the last year and a half, I went through this transition. And when you help people self-discover their next opportunity with lots of love and grace... And you bring in people who are a better fit for the role moving forward. It's it's amazing how 
easy it is. It just gets easier. It is more fun, even if that crossing that gap, not so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. And a company really is a company of great women and men working together towards a common goal. Mm-hmm. And if you've got that right set of players on your team, then that makes all the difference. I mean, you know, back in the days of uh, the playground, you know, let's pick teams. You've got two leaders who are each picking one at a time people for whatever sport game you're playing. The the game is won before it starts because he or she who picks those right teammates, people that they know, they trust, they gel with, that's where the game's won. And I think people forget that in business sometimes. Absolutely. Oh, that person's super smart. I'm going to bring that person in. I had a, a CFO years ago who was probably on paper the best CEO, CFO we could have ever found. She came into the business, but she didn't have the, the personality or the cultural connection to the team that was needed. And she failed and we failed her. So that fit is just everything. Mm-hmm. Finding the right people and then treating them right. When we come back from the break, Brian and I are going to talk about how you can go about casting a vision for your future business, even when you may not be clear what that looks like today. Welcome back. Brian, I want to talk about vision. When you have it, when you're clear on what your vision is, I think, I know I've taken for granted or forgotten what it's like to not have it. Yet the person who's listening to this, who might be holding down the W-2 job, who dreams of going from employee to entrepreneur, they know they want to make the gap, but they might have zero clue on what the vision is. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to them to begin that journey? I'd say pick a starting vision, something that you know might be a stretch, but you see it as realistic. It can still happen. When we came up with the vision of being on the Oprah Winfrey show, which happened, and and it took some time, obviously, and a lot of crazy hard work and focus to make it happen, it wasn't out of the realm. People told me I was crazy, but we still had a business. We still had, we were in plenty of cities across North America. This wasn't just like, there's no way this can happen. So so pick a vision out of the gate that you go, yeah, I, I can see this happening. I think what happens when someone starts a business They say, I'm going to be the biggest. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be all these things. I'm going to be rich. Think more along your your why, as Simon Sinek would say. What's your why? What what is your reason for being and creating this business? What is it as a vehicle that's going to, what's it going to do for others? Don't just think about yourself. And understand your why and come up with a big vision around that. We're going to be a company that treats people like family, that's filled with so much love. Like, Start to get the picture in your mind of what that could look, feel, Mm -hmm. and act like. And then start to dream the bigger dreams. I remember Cameron Harold, our our COO years ago, great friend, talked to him yesterday. He used to say to me, I'm the executor. I I can't think of vision. He since ended up writing a book about vision, so he now gets it. (laughs) But I remember saying to him, Cameron, everybody can think in terms of vision. You just don't know how. So I said, let me ask you some questions. If you could go anywhere in the world tomorrow on vacation, where would you go? I don't remember his answer, but it was somewhere super hot. What's in your hand? A nice cold Corona. 
What is the sound around you? Describe it to me. Who are you with? You know, he told me about his girlfriend. He told me about the, the music that was playing. He could give me the full color illustration of what his painted picture, dream vacation without money being an object, what that looked like and how it felt. I was drawn in. I'm like, you know, I want to go on that trip with you. So a vision is something, if someone asks you the right questions and uncovers what that can look like, everybody can, can dream and, and determine what their vision is, but then it's writing it down and saying, as we talked about earlier, you're committed. You don't just write something down with language like, I will do this and do nothing with that. It starts to plant seeds in your mind that help you towards your, your top one, your one thing, your big, big, unbelievable, big, hairy, audacious goal that you can chase. That's right. Well, the, the thing that stands out to me is you started with why, not with what. Mm-hmm. Not what am I going to build? What am I going to do? What will the business be? It's why do I want to create this? And tying yourself to that, the what falls into place. Mm-hmm. And it's, I also like that you said you start with something. It doesn't mean it's etched in stone and it doesn't change. It just gets you into motion. Yeah. Start somewhere, commit to it, put it in writing, and watch that vision start to get bigger. Yeah. My vision when I saw that first truck and we were called the Rubbish Boys was to pay for college. My vision wasn't to be on Oprah and be on Ellen and build a billion-dollar brand. We hadn't gotten there yet. That would have been ridiculous. I, I couldn't have connected those dots. So a vision is meant to be, it's, it's sort of like you get out there, hike some mountains, you know, you start, you don't start with Everest. Nobody does. You start with a mountain that is surmountable that you can actually get up there to the top of the summit and then pick something bigger. And so a vision, sometimes the vision is just, I will be a business owner and here's what it will feel like. Start Mm -hmm. somewhere. I want to talk about um, figuring out how to get into your sweet spot or your lane over time. Because when you make the leap, you come up with a vision. When you talk about people at the start, it's just you until you have the revenue to start funding, building the team. Mm-hmm. What did that journey look like for you in terms of recognizing what you're truly brilliant at that should be your job and the things that you needed to shed in the form of leverage? Mm-hmm. When I, let's see, we had our second COO. And this was a soup after Cameron Harold. This was a, a woman, Lonnie Skinner, who's unbelievably smart, super talented, very, very, very successful today. When she came to us, she was an ex-president of Starbucks, an ex-president coming into my little company to help us grow. And together we failed, both of us, not because she wasn't a nice person, not because we didn't get along but because we had different visions and different ways of going to where we were going to grow and it didn't work. And so I brought the wrong COO into the fold for me. So my franchise partners started saying, Brian, you're not good at this. You're a great visionary, but you're terrible at execution. This job isn't for you. You couldn't do what Lonnie couldn't do or what Cameron couldn't do any longer. And so I took out a sheet of paper and I drew a line down the middle What are all the things on one side that the business needs that I love to do that I'm great at? On the other side, what are all those things I don't like to do, I suck at, I shouldn't be doing? And I wrote quite a large list. 
And I said, the business needs those things. Where, how am I going to get those things done? I need to find someone who loves to do the things that I don't. And I created a little vision, a painted picture of the person I was looking for. And I put it out to my universe and three people, different people in different parts of the world, unrelated, who said that person you described there is Eric Church. They didn't say, here's six people I know, go fish and try and find someone. They said, here is your person. He was gainfully employed. I reached out, connected with him, along with 75 other potential COOs. But it turns out people knew he was my guy, so to speak, because I was so clear what I was looking for. And he was. And it's been 10 years. And the guy is an absolute rock star. I mean, he'll be with us to a billion and beyond because he was the perfect COO fit for me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need to spell it out and say, what am I looking for? Uh, but understanding first, what was the gap in me as the founder? It, it's rare that a founder stays along as long as I do from what I hear. But I think it's because people let ego get in the way and they say, I'm better than this. I'm the smartest person in the room. If that's the case. You're, you're in the wrong room. And so I've built the team and turned over control of pretty much everything to everyone else who can do it better than I can. Mm-hmm. But my sweet spot is that vision, that imagining the possibilities of what the world, our world could look like and the impact we can have on entrepreneurially minded people. And that's made all the difference. Yeah. And you said something a few times that's really important that I think most people will glaze over, which is they were the right fit for me. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, oh, I need a COO. Let me go hire a COO. It's not just can they do the job? It's can they do the job and are they a match for you? Mm-hmm. What, how did you start to learn to distinguish between when somebody was a match for you and not? Yeah, I think it goes back to those 11 people that I let go of. It's trusting my gut to a certain degree and saying, do I have fun with these people? Mm-hmm. We call it the beer and barbecue test, which is a, a sort of easy way to frame it that anyone can understand, I think. When we interview people, you know, true story in our company, we ask ourselves, do they pass the beer test and the barbecue test? The beer test is, would I want to have a beer with this person? Are they interested, interesting? Do they have a shared common passion for life, for business, whatever it might be? Is there some connection where you go, yeah, I really enjoy this person's company. We're not looking for people to be just like us. We're looking for people that fit, that add to what we're building. Once they pass the beer test, it's do they pass the barbecue test? How would they fit if we plop them into a company barbecue, a picnic? Do they get along with the people there? Are they interacting in such a way that they go, yeah, I found my place. I fit here. Do they get along with the crew that they're about to build something special with? And those two simple questions really do help because, again, back to the ex-CFO that we'd hired who had all the skills on paper, but wasn't, didn't pass the barbecue test, didn't fit with what we were looking for, for our company. That's important. And I think people compromise. You can't just take textbook. Here's some great examples of resumes of an entire team that would just be the smartest people in the world. They also need to be the most engaged, most connected team in the world. And I think to me, that matters more than the the skills and abilities they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And if I think about it, I mean, 
you took that piece of paper, you drew the line. You were clear on the things that the business needed that you were great at, that you enjoyed. You were clear on the things the business needed that you were not great at or that you didn't enjoy. And you had to fill the seats with people who were great and enjoyed those things. If any one of those variables from the things you didn't enjoy, you actually enjoyed, you may be looking for a different person. So I think the self-awareness of just understanding you are not going to be great at everything. In fact, you're going to be great at a few things and getting really clear on what those things are and then looking for people who fill your weaknesses are their strengths Mm -hmm. is huge. Yeah. A quick story for you. So something interesting in our world right now is next week, I'm going to be in LA sitting on a chair next to Ellen DeGeneres on her show being interviewed about some cool things that we do in our business that are unique. I didn't make that happen. I envisioned and put it in our painted picture that one day we would be on Ellen and someone in our company who I spend no time with, who cared about that line in the painted picture, started to chase it on her own. Hmm. So Nadine goes after this and pitched the Ellen show three times. Finally, we get on as 1-800-GOT-JUNKS. Ellen did a skit a few months ago on us. I got to go down there, meet the producers, connect with them, give Ellen a book, uh, WTF, and explain how she's in the book and how we talk about vision and throwing things out to the universe. And she says, that's my life. My life's been exactly that. So we took that conversation and built on it. And now I get to go, which, you know, I love Ellen. I think she's amazing and it's exciting for me. But what I'm excited about is sharing our can you imagine belief of dreaming big and putting things out there and the impact that that can have on others who might be inspired to dream big things. Mm. So when you take that sheet of paper and go, what are you great at? Me, Brian Scudamore, I'm great at imagining big ideas that I can then encourage or share with others who can make them happen. And when those people feel great about their accomplishments within the business and they get fired up, it's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. You've said thinking big, dreaming big a few Mm -hmm. times. It's a simple idea. It is not easy for people Mm because in school, they were taught to have the answer not to ask big questions that force them to search for an answer. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to somebody who hears, I should be dreaming big? They don't know how to. Yeah, I I would say that I think everyone is here on this, this earth with a gift and a gift to help change the world. Small, big, whatever that might be. And if you just show up with the answer, and you don't give yourself permission to think differently and to think bigger, you're playing too small. Mm. Every person has a gift, everyone. You know, I'm a guy that started this little junk removal company and quit school and went to 14 schools and couldn't make it work, but I found my gift of inspiring others down the road of entrepreneurship. If you don't ask yourself the questions and think, why am I here? What can I do with this? Uh, time on this planet, like just think big. And you're right in school, in school, all I heard was no, 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 no. But it got me to think, why not? What if? And it, it got my brain thinking in a different way. And if you take where the world's been at over the last couple of years, you know, very challenging time for the entire planet at once. 
We've been told no. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. We've been told no more than ever. How do we break out of that and say, why not? What could be? And dream up big possibilities. We've seen more people come to O2E Brands this year looking for a franchise opportunity because they asked the question, why not? What if? What if I did leave my job finally to pursue this dream of business ownership? Franchising is a proven recipe and they've taken it and they've gone off to make it work. But there's been more challenging the status quo this year, I think, than there has been in many, many years prior. So using that to your advantage. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I'm, that I'm hearing is you're asking these questions that a lot of people don't ask. But the biggest thing is, it's not like you're expecting the answer when you ask it. You're, you're letting it sit there. You're dating it over time. You keep asking the question. You keep searching. And if you keep asking and searching, you will get arrive at an answer. It's just like that mountaintop example. You may not get to the top of Everest, but you get to the first peak. And Mm -hmm. then you can see a little bit further. You ask, you search. You get a little bit further, ask, search. And if you continue over time, Mm -hmm. you end up where most people don't go. Yeah, I think it's a constant reflection. So when we create a painted picture, a one-page document, like the first day that I sat down at my parents' summer cottage on their dock in a doom loop, and I said, I'm not happy with where I'm at right now. I've built a million-dollar junk removal business. I haven't finished college. I don't have the money, don't have the brains to build something bigger. A lot of negativity. But then I said, but what if? What if I could do something bigger? What would that look like? And I started to write out my painted picture. And it started with, we will be, not we hope to be or want to be or will try to be. We will be in the top 30 metropolitan cities by the end of 2003, which was five years out. I said, we'd be on the Oprah Winfrey show. I said, we'd be the FedEx at junk removal. I listed all these things. And by putting it down in writing, I didn't have the answers to how was it going to happen But I wasn't asking those questions at that point because all it was was thinking, where is the top of the peak? What could it look like? We'll figure out which way we will summit that peak later. I don't, to me, when someone thinks of a vision, you don't think, how is it going to happen? Because if you do, all you do is you lower the bar. Eh, I don't have the money. I'm not smart enough. I've got another job, whatever the case might be. But if you start just with a big idea and write it down, put the paper aside for a little while and come back to it, you'll be reflecting and asking yourself those questions that will one day teach you, show you the way to summit that mountain. I love that. So Brian, if somebody picks up a copy of your new book, what can they expect? It's meant to be a conversation with me. BYOB, which some people think stands for bring your own beer. Great. Go grab a beverage I ask people in the beginning of the book, go grab a latte, a fizzy drink, whatever it is. Let's sit down and have a conversation about things I've learned over 33 years that I'm hoping my conversation helps someone make a choice for them. Is it starting a business with a blank sheet, something never been done before? Is it starting a franchise? Is it continuing to think about the idea of entrepreneurship before taking action? I want to inspire some action. And I wrote the book to do exactly that. Mm -hmm. Where can people get a copy of Build Your Own Business, Be Your Own Boss? Go to Google, put in BYOB, Amazon. I mean, isn't that where everybody buys books? Just go to Amazon, (laughs) BYOB. 
search my name, Brian Scudamore, and uh, it comes out April 5th. So I'm pretty excited. Um, not excited for the launch, but excited to start to hear from people who say, this made me choose. This made me take the leap once and for all. And you say you're not excited for the launch because you know what goes into launching a book, how much time and effort that takes. Oh, it is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. But, but I am excited for the impact. And, uh, and it's fun. I know it will do big things for people. Well, there you have it, our conversation with Brian Scudamore. The thing that I love about Brian is just how down to earth he is. When you have a conversation with him, it feels like you're just chatting with another one of your friends. As he and I spoke, what really stood out to me is, um, I know if you are thinking about wanting to build your own business, or even if that's not your goal, even if it's just you have a big goal that you want to achieve, you're not sure how you're going to achieve it, we know what it feels like to attach yourself to that outcome, to measure your success by whether or not you arrive at the destination. And the thing that I kept hearing in the conversation with Brian is not attaching yourself to the destination, but instead beginning the journey, taking the next step. Wherever you are today, whether you want to start your own business, maybe that's not your dream and you just want to achieve a big goal. What's the next step you can take? Because if day after day after day, you look at that step as a domino that's in front of you and you knock it down, it automatically stands you back up with more clarity, with more momentum to knock the next one down and the next one down. If you're clear on what you can do every day and you just do that thing, extraordinary things become possible. I was reminded of something Gary Keller said recently, which was, you can be anywhere you want in five years. My wife and I were, were looking at that because somebody had posted it on social media and she and I reflected on what our lives looked like five years ago. The things that were dreams that we weren't quite sure could ever become possible, most of them have come true. And we're looking up today with different dreams, with bigger dreams. And now it's just about identifying the tiny dominoes that we can knock down day after day over time. So for you, based on this episode, what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary? We strongly encourage you to treat this podcast differently than every other podcast. Every other podcast out there, at the end of the episode, you move on to another show or you go into your next commitment. But this one is different. In this podcast, we challenge you to pause and search for that answer. What's the one thing I can do based on this episode? Such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. If you identify that one thing and you do that one thing, you do that week after week after week, over time, you will achieve extraordinary results. If this episode has brought value to you, please pick up a copy of Brian's book, BYOB, Build Your Own Business, Be Your Own Boss. Also, if you are not yet subscribed to the show, make sure you follow so all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device of choice. And while you are at it, please consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcast player. It genuinely helps us reach more people and fulfill our purpose, which is to help you better invest your time so you achieve extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.